Modern orthopedics is a rapidly evolving and exciting field that continues to push the boundaries of what is possible with treatment. Advances in technology, including minimally invasive surgical techniques and the use of robotics, have revolutionized the field of orthopedics, allowing for patients to quickly begin the rehabilitation process and can significantly improve the outcomes of orthopedic procedures. Here is your behind-the-scenes pass to one of the most well-established orthopedic practices in the DFW area. All right, hello. Welcome back to Modern Orthopedics. My name is Shannon. I'm the Director of Marketing here at Orthopedic Specialist at Dallas. I have Dr. Kushal Patel here today. He's one of our orthopedic surgeons. Welcome, Dr. Patel. Hey, good morning, Shannon. Thanks for having me. All right, so Dr. Patel is one of our orthopedic surgeons here. He goes to the Wiley and Rockwall offices. Dr. Patel, uh, what made you decide to become a physician? I kind of fell into it. Back in high school, there was an opportunity to go shadow uh, community leaders, and somehow I got paired up with an orthopedic surgeon, and that kind of opened up the the realm of orthopedics for me. He was an orthopedic generalist, so he did spine. He did a whole bunch of uh, different uh, types of procedures, which you know I didn't really know what was going on at that point, but just the exposure got me interested in just constantly kept exposing myself to the field and one thing kept leading to the next. And I know you are passionate about the community here. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, my goal as an orthopedic surgeon is to impact the local community and uh, really uh, to keep that community active. You know, personally in my lifestyle, I try to stay as active as I can and I try to set new goals for myself physically every year because um, as we age I mean I know uh, it's a little bit harder to meet these goals and to stay active and I bring that same perspective to my patients and the community so you know with uh, some of the obesity pandemics we're having um, I'm pretty lucky to practice in a community that wants to stay active and most of my patients have uh, very similar goals as myself so um, I, I just want to make sure our community stays healthy active and uh, I also have this other theory that uh, a lot of times it's in our, you know, 30s and 40s where, you know, life's taken, you know, career goals in one way. You have your family in another way and you kind of lose sight of yourself. And, you know, I, I relate our body as kinetic. You know, we're basically cars or vehicles, which we don't get tuned up. And if we don't tune up in our 30s and 40s, I mean, then then it's like late 40s, early 50s. And next, you know, it's you're a little bit behind the eight ball and you've got some uh, kinetic imbalance, you're a little bit weaker, and then you're trying to get out of pain. And at that point, it's a little bit harder. I know I've heard you talk about how you studied in Colorado where everybody's active. And so, yeah, that was a great year uh, when I did my sports medicine and shoulder surgery fellowship in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, we'd have elite athletes all over the world and just come there and train. And uh, a lot of those athletes will be in our performance center. Uh, and that really, um, that year was really special to me because prior to that, I didn't really realize what it takes to be a elite athlete. And that year really summed it up for me. Uh, not only just triathletes or, you know, cyclist, but it was the University of Denver and uh, Colorado that uh, exposed me to what it meant to be a collegiate athlete. And, um, you know, we had exposure to some of the professional athletes as well. But uh, just to be an athlete and what it takes physically, mentally, and what I could do as an orthopedic surgeon to get these athletes back to where they want to be. 
I know uh, cartilage preservation uh, is important to you. Um, Can you give us some examples of that? Yeah. So, you know, the number one thing we really see or one of the top three things we see as orthopedic sports doctors are cartilage pathology and cartilage is basically tread on a tire. You know, the more you're active, the more you function, you know, some genetics just predispose to cartilage injury uh, or damage. And then then you also have some types of trauma that uh, also lead to cartilage damage. And so, Cartilage uh, damage at points can be very functionally limiting for our athletes. And so, um, you know, there's a whole host of ways to approach cartilage treatment. And uh, that's that's been some of my passions in practice to try to help with that. So you do in-office procedures such as PRP, stem cell. You're passionate about that. I know you do a lot of that in the office. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think for the younger subset and athletes who want to take it to the next level and have really any pain. It could be ligament, tendon, joint, anything uh, that's limiting them. And they failed, obviously, physical therapy, some, you know, uh, other treatments like Arosti or Cairo, and they're still having these limitations. Um, I usually tend to use PRP a lot more than stem cells. Uh, One, because I've had good results. The literature supports it a little bit more. And financially, it's cheaper. So why not use something that's uh, more effective and financially more cost effective rather than going straight to stem cells? But we use PRP for anything from a MCL sprain that doesn't heal to uh, arthritis of the shoulder that uh, patients want to continue to work out and stay healthy. So. And people can do that in the office. Oh, absolutely. It's a pretty easy procedure. And I call it a procedure, but it's really just a needle stick where we take a certain amount of volume of blood. We spin it down. And uh, the basic essence of PRP is you're collecting these cells called platelets. And platelets are cells that come to a site of injury first and activate other cells to come and try to produce some sort of inflammation and healing response. And And we're activating these cells and injecting them right back to the localized area. And we do this here with ultrasound in our clinic. And that's another benefit because, you know, using ultrasound, you can actually see the anatomy and inject it exactly to where you want to uh, treat. And then the other portion of that is we take the blood, we spin it down. So it takes about, you know, 20 minutes to spin down and collect these cells. So, I mean, in general, most patients are in and out in 40 minutes. I know you do several complex surgical procedures, um, specifically OATS. Would you like to explain that a little bit? Yeah, so um, complex procedures are, uh, you know, that's that's basically a term to describe anything that uh, can have a big impact or the surgery is a little bit bigger. And uh, when it comes to complex, it's not complex. The surgery itself is not complex, but it's the decision making is complex. Uh, who do you actually do it in? How do you work it up? And so the idea behind the oats is, um, let's say, for instance, you have a, a brand new tire and all of a sudden you've got a gash in the tire and then you got this huge hole. So now you've got a, a relatively preserved tire, but in that tire, let's say you have like a five inch cutout. And so the oats procedure is basically to help with that cutout, um, to help restore the entire surface of the tire And the thought process there is if you have an area of damaged tread, per se, the rest of the tread around it will overload and also start breaking down. So basically, you're trying to preserve the knee. As I say, this is in the knee, correct? Correct. But you can do oats in the ankle, the shoulder. Those are some other places, even in the hip. I primarily do them in the knee. Uh, It's not commonly found in the shoulder. 
uh, or the ankle, but uh, you can do them in pretty much uh, all of those joints. Who would qualify for this type of procedure? Yeah. So, I mean, the number one thing is you got to look at how they are physiologically, right? And what are their goals? I mean, is it just, if he's a, or she is a, could be a mechanic who's just trying to do their daily routine or job and can't do it, or it could be a weekend warrior. I think you got to realize what their goals are, how much uh, function uh, limiting pain they're having. And then the other big thing you got to think about is how well preserved their knee is. Um, and you don't want to really do an oats procedure in a knee that already has got some breakdown because, I mean, you're basically not giving them as much time as you want uh, with this procedure. Uh, so it typically revolves around age, activity level, physiologic fitness and expectations. What's the downtime for somebody that has this type of surgery? Yeah, so um, if we look at downtime, it's it's a little relative because of different patient expectations. But if you want to go back to running and jumping, you're you're looking at about six to eight eight month process where initially, you know, you're um, probably non weight bearing for a good six weeks on crutches, and a lot of times it's afterwards you're just developing that strength and function. You'd be surprised how much a six week of non weight bearing can really impact your strength and function. Uh, the surgery itself is not a long surgery. It's about an hour's worth of surgery. So yeah, it's an outpatient in and out deal. And, but it's really the post-operative rehab that uh, has the most impact. Dr. Patel, when somebody uh, comes here and makes an appointment to see you and they have knee pain, what is your process for treating them? Well, yeah, I think the first thing to do is to get an adequate history what is going on with the knee? When did it start? You know, were they just simply walking and their knee pain started or did they have an injury? Because the that history itself will kind of dictate how you approach the patient. And a lot of times I ask uh, what they do for a living, how many kids they have and uh, what are their expectations? Because some patients are just coming in there just wanting to know what's wrong with their knee. Not so much, hey, I want treatment and others are, hey, I need this to be gone ASAP. So that's number one. Number two is uh, getting an x-ray. I would anticipate that every patient that, uh, or a new patient or a new complaint uh, that you, I see gets an x-ray just to make sure, hey, there's no underlying arthritis or anything unusual looking with the bone that you can possibly uh, pick up on an x-ray. And then uh, number three is a physical exam because now you've uh, determined, hey, what's going on with them, what their bones look like. And then three is applying some of your history to what you're picking up on your exam. And a lot of times uh, I would say if it's a lower extremity, um, I would anticipate you into going into some shorts where you can actually visualize the area of concern and looking at mechanics. Is your leg malaligned or has a uh, abnormal look to it or does it feel abnormal and how tight are you? Because this is going to indicate how we approach it. You know, if, uh, if I do a physical exam and I'm like, wow, you know, this patient's really tight or has a lot of imbalance kinetically. And I can tell that easily by having a patient do a, a squat. A simple squat can tell you a lot. And even doing a single-legged squat, and a lot of our athletes will tell you how uh, weak their hip and core is. And it may take a simple treatment of uh, a course of physical therapy with our excellent physical therapist we have here in Wiley, uh, or it could possibly be an MRI if they've had an injury. So 
those are two big areas uh, that we would probably go to. And the others are, uh, you know, should we consider a steroid injection if they're a mechanic that needs to get back to work and he can't wait bear and yes, he doesn't have any time off or do they want to consider more uh, approaches like platelet-rich plasma that we talked about? Sometimes, you know, I see a handful of patients who have been treated elsewhere and come to me as more of a second opinion and have failed a lot of treatment paths. And so as a sports medicine doctor, I really focus on kinetics first. And that's the number one thing to evaluate is not so much, hey, why is this joint painful, but why is this limb painful? And I think if you can approach it that way, a lot of times uh, the answer is pretty easy. What is your um, evaluation process for when it comes to which route of cartilage preservation you're going to use for a patient? Correct. So I guess that's assuming we've gotten to surgery, but, uh, you know, prior to surgery, there's a whole host of treatment options and that I usually uh, attempt before we even talk about surgery. Uh, that includes physical therapy. Uh, I also believe that chiropractors and Erostes also have their, their role in treatment of patients, especially if uh, they're more soft tissue driven. And then you can have uh, treatment of steroid injections. And we briefly talked about platelet rich plasma, uh, which, you know, really the downfalls there are just finances. I mean, there is a cost to platelet rich plasma as currently insurance does not cover the, um, the cost of it. And uh, usually after a PRP injection, I, I limit some sort of activities for four to six weeks. And so we're assuming that, hey, you're not going to load that joint or that area where we've just tried to treat it. And then bracing is critical. If a joint needs some support, uh, adding a brace to a knee or uh, an elbow can be very helpful. And we usually try to go through that process, uh, you know, at least the course of six weeks to three months before we say, hey, maybe you need some surgery. But there are some cases where they, they come in and they have uh, either failed that or, I mean, the writing's on the wall that they're going to need it. So then then we've talked about, uh, OK, so now they failed the conservative treatment. Now, what do we do with the actual treatment surgically? And it, it all, it depends on imaging and the imaging, including x-ray as well as MRI and sometimes a CT scan, because there's probably five or six ways to peel uh, that orange of cartilage. Cartilage can be treated in a whole different host of ways. And it depends on what the imaging shows for us to approach it in that way. Dr. Patel, can you discuss the preoperative and postoperative process for your surgical patients? Absolutely. So uh, it wasn't until I personally was involved in uh, either a family member or someone having surgery, where I realized the process is just, it's not, you know, something I would want to experience consistently. And so I try to make it as easy for my patients as possible you know, a lot of times our patients are coming in and they know they need to have surgery, but postoperatively, hey, how's your pain going to be? Do they need to think about icing? I mean, what about their medicines? What about physical therapy? I mean, there's just so much coming to you. And it's like having, you know, basically a newborn baby. I mean, you're, you don't know what to expect until you get there. So I meet with all my patients before surgery as a preoperative appointment. We, again, review the surgery itself because statistics show that a lot of times patients don't really know what they're having done. They go into surgery and they say they've had surgery and realistically don't understand it. And as a surgeon, as a sports medicine doctor, I want all my patients to exactly understand why we're doing it and what we're doing. So that's key number one. And that's the key to success. 
because if there's an issue after surgery, you know, not all surgery has goes smoothly. And sometimes if patients don't really understand what happened, that can that can create a communication barrier. Number two, we'll make sure all their medicines are provided to them ahead of time. So they're not, you know, running or having one of their family members go get it or, you know, they may be in pain after surgery. And so uh, having things available and I will review with them exactly how to approach their pain management afterwards, including icing. We'll talk about incisions. We'll talk about dressing. So we'll, we'll really review that highlight. And then the key is at the day of surgery, they'll get everything written down again. So now it's point encounter number two. Well, we've basically reiterated everything. Uh, and then postoperatively, the next day after surgery, I personally call all my patients because you know, I, I want to make sure they're at home now, they're settled, and one, they're doing well after anesthesia and the surgery and their pain is well uh, managed, and number two, to see if they have any questions, and I basically call that closing the loop, right? So you started this loop, and now we've closed it, and the great thing about our sports medicine team here in Wiley is we've got a great team, including our physical therapists, and most of my patients will start therapy within a week, no matter what surgery it is, with our therapist. And if there's a problem, there, there's a concern, one, the therapists are great about texting us or calling us exactly on that time frame so they're not waiting. And number two, we can simply just walk over uh, to the therapy unit and get our eyes on that patient or get them in if we're in a different location. So uh, I think the care here is a great uh, level of care that uh, personally, if it was me going through any sort of surgical intervention, you, you want a team that's communicative and on top of it, because if it's not, then sometimes uh, things can fall through the crack and uh, create bigger problems. Typically, we follow up with patients, you know, two weeks after surgery, another month after that, three months after surgery. So realistically, we're having multiple time frames of follow up. Dr. Patel, how do you approach your access to care? Access to care is a top priority of mine. Uh, you know, again, I stay pretty active in my life. And, uh, you know, if I get an injury, I know how to treat it. Right. So, you know, that leads me with minimal downtime and I can get back to what I'm doing, including work and caring for my kids without a huge impact. So when it comes to access of care, I take that very seriously. So we have direct communication and contacts with all our local primary care doctors in the community, our emergency departments and our high school trainers to get patients in uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, so typically we'll get a text message. I personally will get a text message and I'll have that patient seen within the day. And that's that's important for me because um, it could be a dad of three or a mom of three who hurt her knee in soccer and, you know, doesn't really have time for an injury. She's got to get back to work. She's got to, you know, be an Uber driver for her kids and taking her X, Y and Z. So I think having a quick diagnosis, quick intervention and uh, treatment path is is uh, not only uh, mentally helping our patients, but physically helping them. And so that's been pretty uh, critical for me and uh, how we're approaching that in our community. Dr. Patel, can you explain the OATS procedure, specifically in the knee? Again, OATS is one of the handful of procedures that we do to treat the knee uh, cartilage injuries. And so the basic tenet or the basic thought of an OATS procedure is that, again, I like the analogy of a, a tire because when we look at a tire, we have the tread and as well as the rim. An OATS procedure is indicated for those patients who have cartilage damage, so i.e. the tread, as well as the rim is not uh, healthy. 
So basically the foundation of the tread also needs some attention because the oats itself not only replaces cartilage, but it plugs in a piece of bone with it. And so uh, that's kind of the tenant thought of the oats procedure. And basically you could take it from areas of your knee. So plugs, we're looking at plugs and I've got a couple of Instagram videos um, out on my uh, Wiley Sports Talk uh, to showing these oats procedures. But basically, you're taking plugs of healthy cartilage and bone from your own knee and plugging it into the poor cartilage area. Uh, but if it's larger than a certain size, then you would take cadaver plugs and fresh cadaver plugs. So it's kind of getting a little more technical, but basically, you would get these cadaver uh, plugs that have a 28 day expiration date so pretty fresh and plugged back into the knee and as dr patel mentioned you can see a lot of his uh, procedures and stuff that he's done on his instagram it's hashtag wiley sports doc and thank you dr patel for being here with us today yeah absolutely shannon i appreciate your time and uh, thanks for having me 